Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Well, Plum Creek is always great to be here and to connect with you all. I absolutely love this church and I follow along quite a bit um, up in Fort Collins where I live and listen online and stay connected to everything you all are doing. And uh, when Doug, when I get that text from Doug or Gary or that phone call that says, hey, would you come and teach? I always love it. But then I'm always curious, like, well, what are they doing? And like, what's Doug up to? Like, why can't he? So I always think about that. It's kind of weird. And then I realized last night at six o'clock, um, the Cubs were in the playoffs um, last night. And then I realized that he called me like a month and a half ago, and there's no way Cubs fan can plan that far ahead in the playoffs. And so um, it had to be something, something different. Right, Josh? Right? Yeah. So I had to be, couldn't, couldn't be around the Cubs because you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. But it's great to be here. I absolutely love the series that we are in. I love the idea of getting past your past. Because if you look around here in this room and you look around to how, you know, who people are and their, you know, where they're from, their background, how they're dressed, what they do, we all have one thing in common. And that one thing that we have in common is we all have a past. And for some of us, that past is something that we're proud of. But I'd venture to say there's probably a lot of us that have things in our past that we're absolutely not proud of. Things that have happened, things that we've chosen, things that other people have done to us. And we can say, I'm really not too proud of that. But the reality is, whether we're proud of our past or not proud of our past, we have it. And so I'm thankful for an opportunity to dive in together as a church, to look at scripture, and to see what does God say about how do we get past our past. And I absolutely love it. I don't know if you were here last week or if you, if you weren't here last week, I highly suggest you get online and listen to the message that Doug, Doug gave last week. Because he talked very eloquently about this idea that we are new creations in Christ. That no matter what our identity is or has been or how people view us or how we even view ourselves, what God says about us is different. And we actually have a new identity. Paul writes in Corinthians that if you are in Christ or if you belong to Christ, you are a new creation that the old is gone and the new has come. And then he demonstrates that throughout Scripture. And you look in the Old Testament, and there's some people in the Old Testament um, who's literally God changed their names. Abram was changed to Abraham. Um, Jacob was changed to Israel. Simon in the New Testament was changed to Peter. And there's some pretty significant things that happen when God gives us a new identity. And so we're just going to build on that building block this week off of last week. Now that we understand what it means to have a new identity, we're kind of grasping a picture of, of, of what it means to, to view ourselves differently, knowing that we are now marked by God, not marked by how people view us, not marked by what's happened to us in the past, but we are marked by the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to kind of dive in and say, okay, now that we believe, believe things differently, we're able to think differently about ourselves and think differently about our past. 
And now that we're believing new things about ourselves and we're thinking differently about ourselves and our past, how do we act? What are some action points? What are some things that we literally need to take steps in doing or realizing so that we can get past our past? So that's where we are. That's kind of where we're going here this morning. So I get the call from Doug saying, hey, could you preach? And I said, I'd love to. And they've been praying as a staff and thinking, man, we're walking through the series. It's going to be called Getting Past Your Past. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Can't wait for it. And then he says, I need you to talk on forgiveness. And I'm like, oh, man, like you're going to have the new guy come down here, talk to the church about we need to, you know, forgive people that have hurt us in all these different situations. You're not going to be here that week. And I said, that's going to be a tough, a tough deal. But I'm actually really excited about this because it is going to be hard. There is a lot of things that we're going to have to dive into. And I'm, I've been praying for the last couple of weeks, preparing for this. And I'm trusting that God's going to do a work in our lives as we talk about this idea of forgiveness. How do we get to the point to where we even feel like forgiving or even think about the people or even allow ourselves to think to those circumstances that people did that, ha that we have to give unforgiveness to or we're holding unforgiveness and so we're going to talk about that. And I was, I was thinking, as I was thinking and praying for this message, I was reminded, if you've been in Fort Collins at all, we have this area in Fort Collins called Old Town. And Old Town's right in the middle of our downtown area. It's called Old Town. It's pretty amazing. And there's this place in Old Town called Old Town Square. It's kind of this hub, and there's a bunch of restaurants and, and bars. And just it's a really fun place. They have outdoor concerts there. Well, over the last 15, 20 years, Old Town Square, Old Town in general, has gone through incredible renovations. It's a beautiful place now, and they have festivals, and it's a great place. But I remember about 10, it's probably 10 or 13 years ago, I don't remember, there used to be this rickety old bench sitting in Old Town. And um, there was this rickety old bench sitting in Old Town, and by it, probably about 10, 20 feet away, used to be the statue of B.B. King. And about eight years ago, someone stole the statue, and the statue's taller than I am, so somehow someone stole the statue of B.B. King. We don't have a statue of B.B. King anymore, and I have no idea how someone would go about stealing something like that, let alone hiding it. But there was this rickety old bench in Old Town Square, and it was an old bench. And even through college, we would kind of laugh that we'd kind of, you know, have each one say, hey, go sit on that chair. And if the chair broke, we'd kind of laugh at them. And, and so that, this thing was like breaking down. And another thing about Fort Collins, if you've been there, people take their dogs everywhere in Fort Collins. Like they take their dogs to King Supers and then like Macy's and then also like Qdoba. Like dogs go everywhere in Fort Collins, especially in Old Town Square. And I remember one day I was, I was in Old Town and this rickety old bench was there and there was this beautiful, huge bull mastiff dog. And I'm a dog lover. We have two dogs at home. This thing was gigantic and it was brown. And it was beautiful. And it was, had a collar on and had a leash on and it was tied to this rickety old bench. And the owner must have been, you know, at one of the restaurants or shopping or something. We don't know. But all of a sudden across the square, there was this lady walking with what some people call a dog, but yet I call a rat. It was this little tiny white thing and it had a collar and this lady was walking it. And I remember, th I remember like seeing that across the way and the dog definitely noticed and it kind of perks up and you hear that kind of like, like kind of growling starting to happen in its throat. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And I'm sitting there watching me and my friends are eating Ben and Jerry's and we're watching this dog. And all of a sudden this dog stands up, tail goes up, hair goes up on its back and just starts barking and full speed sprint goes after this little rat across the, across Old Town Square. 
And this dog just runs and without even like stopping, the bench comes up out of the ground and this dog is running. The bench is swinging around, hits the statue of B.B. King, um, hits the statue. The, the, the bench swings around the other side and shatters two store, two store windows right there. And the dog is just running. The lady picks up a rat and is holding it. And the owner finally runs out. It was awesome. It was like one of those cool college like afternoons. It was really great. And as I, think, as I was thinking about this message about forgiveness and the unforgiveness that we, that we hold on to, I was thinking about that dog. And the question I want to pose to us is who's sitting on our bench? Because the reality is many of us are going about our lives harboring unforgiveness, knowing there's situations in our lives that peop, other people have chosen to do things or have said things, and we're carrying it around as we go about our lives and that dog had no idea that he hit B.B. King or he shattered these, two, these windows here. And we're going about our lives, and there's a, there's a path of destruction behind us we don't even realize is there because of this unforgiveness that we're holding on to. So friends, I'm not even going to presume that this is going to be easy this morning. I'm not going to presume that we're going to breeze through, and I'm not going to presume you're really going to like this. But here's what I do know that Jesus knows exactly what's going on in our hearts. He has seen our past. He was with us in our past. And there is a lot that scripture talks about, about our past and the circumstances we walk through. And so I don't know who has hurt you, but I would say that, that if I asked anyone in this room, has there been anyone over the age of four that has hurt you, I bet you everyone here would say yes, because people under the age of four can hurt you, but that really doesn't matter because they just say things. But every single one of us, it could be something as simple as a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. It could be something as complex as a betrayal or somebody did something, intentionally did something really cruel to you. For some, it might be a spouse that has walked outside the bounds of marriage. For some, it might be people that, that made a vow to us, a covenant before God. And they walked out of that and they abandoned us. Some of us may have had things happen to us. People may have said things about us. It may have been a business partner that you had a deal with and they bailed on you and you were out a whole lot of money. For some, it could be a sibling or a mom or a dad that, that did or said something or a child that has done or said something. And it, even me bringing up the idea of unforgiveness or forgiveness is like your, your, your emotions, your, your heart's pounding and you're sweating and you're thinking, God, why am I here? I don't want to be here talking about this right now. And maybe some of us are here and we have a really fresh wound. Something has just recently happened. And we're thinking to ourselves, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this trust that has been shattered, this friendship that is no longer, this marriage that seems that this other person just kind of cast aside and gave up on. And I know some of us are tempted to say, well, Reza, you have no idea what that person did to me. You have no idea the depth of the hurt or the pain that I'm experiencing. And you know what? I don't know. But I do know a couple of things. The first thing I do know that God is glad that we are here talking about this issue. And the second thing I know is I know what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like to be betrayed. 
I know what it's like when somebody does something and you're confused and you have no idea why. And I know what it's like to carry that for over 20 years and not process it and then look back and realize how much damage was done in my life because of the unforgiveness that I harbored. When I was young, my family came to the United States and we went, you know, we moved around a little bit till we landed in Southern California. And we landed in Southern California, kind of where I grew up. And down the street was a buddy of mine and he was essentially my best friend. I mean, we did everything together as kids. He was a few years older than me, but we would go out to the park. We'd play basketball. We had basketball hoops on our, on our garages. I remember sitting down watching my very first Super Bowl with him. And I mean, we did everything together. And then there was one night, and this night really changed a whole lot of how I view myself, how I view life, how I view him. There was a lot that happened. But that night, I was 11 years old. He was 13 years old. He was a few years older than me. We had a sleepover at his house. His parents were gone, and they were going to come back way late at night, and so it was just me and him. And that was a night at 11 years old that I was introduced to things that no 11-year-old should be introduced to, that there was magazines and videos that I shouldn't have been seeing or shouldn't have been dealing with when I was 11 years old. And it was that night where my friend, my best friend, a few years older than me, more experienced than me in a few things, he actually took advantage of me that night. He molested me that night. And I carried that with me all through my teenage years, being so confused about myself, being so confused about that one night. And then for my teenage years, I take that into my college years. And then for my college years, I take that into my 20s, my young adult years, when I'm trying to figure out what is life, what is sexuality, what is marriage, what is dating, what is relationships. And I have this pain, this hurt that is in me that I didn't even realize was bothering me. And then I enter into, I got to be a pastor. That's where I met Pastor Doug. We were pastoring together up in Fort Collins, and I'm still holding on to this. And then I meet my wife, and we get married. And it was a few years into our marriage where things just weren't clicking. And I was just really thinking, like, what in the world is happening? So I was going to counseling. We were going to marriage counseling, trying to figure this out. And then as I'm sitting with my counselor, I'm realizing, and he's asking me about my past. And I talked about what had happened that night when I was 11 years old. And I knew, man, I've got to get this thing figured out because we were just about to have kids. And right now I have a six and an eight-year-old kids that are in Kids Jam right now, our three-year-olds at home with my wife. And I'm thinking to myself, when I have kids, I better learn to think about this biblically because if I don't, some of this unforgiveness that I'm holding, it's going to rub off on my kids. And so at home, we really try to talk about forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive one another? And so here's the truth. My story is not your story. My story is my story. Your story is not my story. Your story is your story. But the beautiful thing is that the story of God has a lot to say about your story and my story. And so that's kind of where we're going. So the main thought, the main thing that we're talking about, if you want to take out your journey guide and write where it says main thought, here's our main thought for the morning. It's this, unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. It is not natural for us to unleash unforgiveness. Forgiving somebody is not a natural tendency that we have, and we need to all just recognize that it's not natural. But yet we need a supernatural God to walk us through the journey that we're about to start this morning. One thing I want to say as we start, we're not going to solve the problems that are happening in your lives this morning. I'm not even going to think that we're going to walk through this. You're going to hear it for about 30 minutes. You're going to walk out. Everything's going to be great. 
But what I do know and what I've been praying is this starts a journey in your own heart about considering the things that we'll talk about that Jesus says about our lives and our past and how do we get through our past? How do we think differently about our past, specifically in this issue when people have stung us deep? You know, again, as we process this today, my prayer has been this. My prayer has been that God would bring to the surface of your heart an individual or a circumstance that you know God is speaking to you about as we discover and we take a look at this idea of unforgiveness. So that's been my prayer. And my other prayer has been the power of the Holy Spirit will allow us to do something supernatural, and that's to forgive people who have hurt us. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, it'll never happen. I will never forgive that person. Well, I think the first thing we need to really talk about what forgiveness really is. And the second thing that we've got to understand is what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man will be possible with God. So let's start. Let's start with the first question, why? Why should I even consider forgiving someone that has hurt me? Why should I do it? Why in the world should I forgive someone who hurt me? And the first reason is because unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. Unforgiveness hurts me. The writer of Hebrews, and some presume it was Paul that wrote the, the, the letter to the Hebrews, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to what? Trouble you, corrupting many. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know, the writer of Hebrews used an agricultural term and you don't have to have a green thumb or be a farmer to understand what this is talking about. If you have a poisonous root or if you have a bad root that is in a tree or a plant or a flower or a bush, what's going to happen to the fruit of that tree? It's not going to be very good. That tree is not going to be very strong. You can put that tree in the greatest soil that you would find on God's green earth. You could water it. You can give it nutrients. You can have all this. You can put it in this perfect environment. But if you have a bitter root, that tree is never going to reach its potential. May I be so bold as to say that some of us have this bitter root in our lives and we're in a great environment. We have a desire to grow in God. There's some things that are happening. But unless we deal with this bitter root of unforgiveness, we're never going to be able to be the strong oaks of righteousness that God calls us to be. Some of us have learned to continue with this root of bitterness in our lives, and we've just kind of stuffed it and say, it's all good. It's totally fine. It's in my past. I never have to see that person again. I'm not going to give that person even the space in my mind. They don't deserve my time. But can I say, as Jesus calls us to love our neighbors and to love one another in a different way, in a kingdom way, when many of you have been to weddings, I've officiated weddings. In weddings, there's typically a passage read in, in Corinthians about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It goes on, describes love. What does it say about love? Love keeps no records of wrong, but bitterness keeps detailed notes. So why do we forgive? Because this is what unforgiveness is like. Imagine in my hand, imagine when someone does something 
and they say something or they do something or they walk out on you or they lie to you or they steal, whatever it is, imagine it's like your heart is broken. Like just imagine it's like the shattered glass that's in my hand. And when you're holding shattered glass in your hand, you're going to cut yourself. And that's the initial pain that somebody has caused. Well, do you know what years and years of bitterness does? Or years of years of holding on to that unforgiveness? After year after year, as you think about it, and as you process it, and as you see that person sitting across from church, or if you see that person at the grocery store, you see them at school, you, you clench your fists so tight that what's happening with those shards of glass? They're hurting you even more than the initial hurt. I'm not saying that that hurt isn't valid. I'm not saying that that pain isn't justified. It could be justified and it probably is justified. All I'm asking us to consider is stop holding onto it so tight that that initial pain becomes worse because we're holding onto it. Because the reality is, as we open up our hands and we allow God to take that broken trust or that broken heart or that broken life, or that broken promise, and open up our hands so that he is the great healer of our wounds. That's what I'm asking us to consider. You know, I was thinking also, there's this, if you've got an Android device, or if you've got an, an iPhone, or an uh, iPad, or something, you have probably either heard of, or played the game Angry Birds. I don't know, like, this is like a phenomenon. There's Angry Birds, like regular Angry Birds. There's Angry Birds Halloween. There's Angry Birds Star Wars. There's Angry Birds Lord of the Rings. There's Angry Birds everything. These birds are angry. I don't know why these birds are angry, but if you've never played this game, let me just kind of give you a rundown. There's these really, really angry birds, and they're really angry at pigs, and we don't know why the birds are angry at pigs. We just know the birds are angry at the pigs. And the pigs are trying to defend themselves from these angry birds. And so they build these structures. Sometimes they're wooden structures. Sometimes they're metal structures. And the birds are so angry, all they want to do is they want to destroy the structures that these pigs have put up. And these birds are equipped with a slingshot. And so the angry bird puts itself in an angry slingshot. And you pull that slingshot back. And then you release your angry bird. And your angry bird flies through the air. And then even if you like really want, you can tap that bird, that angry bird, and then that angry bird splits into three birds, and then it hits the structure, or it misses the structure, and it rolls and rolls and rolls, and then poof, it disappears. It blows up. Some of our lives are like these angry birds. Some of us don't realize we are angry, and some of us don't know why we're angry, or some of us know exactly why we're angry. But just like holding that glass in our hands or flying through the air like an angry bird, eventually the damage is going to be done to us, not the other person. You know, Anne Lamont said, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping that it kills the other person. It's like we're drinking poison ourselves and thinking, I'm going to drink this poison and you're going to get it. That's what unforgiveness is like. It hurts ourselves. It doesn't hurt the other person. So why should we forgive? The first why is because unforgiveness hurts us. And the second why is because you and me are going to need forgiveness at some point in our future. The reality is some of us have done or said things that other people are thinking, man, I need to forgive that person. And the reality is we all need the forgiveness that God provides us. 
Jesus is, is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Matthew records it, and he shares it with us, and Jesus is doing something very similar to what we're doing right now. He's taking people, and he's talking them through some topical issues that they're processing through life and in culture and in faith, and, and he says about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that is a heavy teaching. That if we don't forgive, then God's not going to forgive our sins. Later on, Matthew records this conversation that Jesus was having with Peter, and we believe that the rest of the disciples were there. And Peter was angry. Something had happened to Peter. Somebody had wronged Peter. We don't know what it was. Maybe someone owed Peter some money. Maybe someone took something from Peter. Maybe somebody said something about Peter. Maybe someone was in his fishing spot. Like, we don't know. But like, Peter was angry. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive? Like, seven times? You see, Peter talking about seven times is pretty significant. Because what the law would teach is that to be a righteous individual, you only have to forgive three times. That if that person, you don't, fourth time, you don't have to forgive them. Three times makes you a righteous person. And so Peter was like bringing some pride. He's like, look how spiritual I am. Do I get to forgive seven times? That's double what the law says. That's double what people say. And I'll just throw one in because I'm a really good guy. Seven times? And Jesus responds, no, Peter, not seven. How many times? 77 times. And Peter's probably sitting back going, what? 77, like, how do I even do, like, do I need to, like, mark down every time I forgive someone? And like, oh, no, that was like 76, you get one more chance. Like, what was Jesus saying? And then he goes on, and Jesus starts telling a story like he typically did. And he tells a story about a king and a servant. And the servant owed the king 10,000 talents, is what the story tells us. And as Jesus is telling this story, and as it's been recorded over time and translated, Jesus says that there is a king where a servant owns 10,000 talents. Well, that amount of talents in this day and age, um, as we look at it, it could have been, in, I'm sorry, in that day and age, would have been about 150,000 years of wages. Today, that could be the equivalent of anywhere from like 1.2 to $2 billion, depending on what you do over the course of 150,000 years. Like, there's no way the servant could repay it. Even in the story, the scripture says, everybody knew that the servant could not repay this money. So the servant comes to the king, and he comes to the king and says, king, I can't repay you. And the king's like, hey, time's up. Like, I let you borrow that money. I need my money back. And the story goes on, and the servant begs the king. He pleads with the king, king, Please have mercy on me. I know, I know what will happen to me if I don't repay this. I know the punishment for not repaying my debt. Please have mercy on me. And the king looks at him, and he looks and he considers it, and he said, I'll grant you that mercy. You don't need to pay the debt. I'll take care of it. And then the story goes on. That same servant went and found someone else that owed him the equivalent to probably one day of wages, and that person, the, the servant goes to that person and says, hey, I need my money back. And that person goes, hey, I can't pay it. Times are really tough. I'm, my, my business isn't going well. I, I can't repay you. Please have mercy on me. And the servant says, no, I'm not going to have mercy on you. I need you to pay 
what you owe me. You need to pay that debt. Well, then some of the other people found out about this. They went and told the king, and the king wasn't happy. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus continues the story. And he says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. The guy couldn't pay his debt, could he? So presumably the king sent him to be tortured until he died. And that is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, here's what I believe Jesus was getting. I believe the core of what Jesus was saying is he was asking, he was, he was asking his disciples to consider something. And I believe it's the same question he's asking us. This is a story about somebody who owed money, but I believe this has nothing to do with somebody who owed money. I believe the question that Jesus is asking through this parable to you and to me sitting right here in 2016 is do you believe that you have been forgiven of a debt that you could not pay yourself? Do you believe that you have been forgiven of the debt and the weight of sin that you could not pay back? And God, out of his great mercy, while we were still sinners, while we were still in our act of disobedience, he died for us. So why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness is bad for me. And it's important because God says if I forgive others, he is going to forgive me. You see, forgiveness is more for the offended than the offender. When you forgive somebody, it's not necessarily about them feeling better about what happened. It's not even about you feeling better about what happened. It's about you releasing yourself from the weight of what has happened to you. You releasing yourself from the weight of what that person has done to you. And I want to be very sensitive because I know there are some heavy, heavy, heavy circumstances that are in this room. Whether it's a financial, whether it's relational, whether it's connected to our marriage, connected to our children, connected to our jobs, connected to our reputation. There are some things that people have done that are horrific. And if we went through and heard your stories, it would be a tragic, tragic reality that we would see is present in this room. And so I'm not asking us to take forgiveness lightly by any means. I'm asking us to consider the way God has forgiven us and what does that say about what we do and what we're supposed to do. So now that we understand the why forgiveness is something we should walk into, let's start talking about the how. How do we even consider forgiving somebody that has done something so horrific to us? Some might say, okay, I understand I, I should forgive, but how? Like this person ripped my heart out, destroyed my reputation. And the first how is pray for those who hurt you. And don't pray like, God, I hope they die. Like, like <laughs> pray for them. Matthew 5, 43, again in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
chances are you're saying, look, I don't want to like see this person. I definitely don't want to pray. I do not feel like praying for that person. Can I encourage you just to do what Jesus says? And it could be a simple prayer like, God, just bless them today. And can I even give you permission? You don't even have to mean it. Like, like sometimes, sometimes if we wait for our emotions to like, until we feel like doing something before we do it, we're probably not going to do a lot of things. Sometimes the action comes first, and then the emotions come later, and the feelings come later. Here's what I know about prayer. Prayer doesn't always change the other person, and prayer doesn't always change circumstances, but prayer always, always changes us. See, I believe that's what Jesus was saying here about love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I wonder if Jesus is saying, look, just come before me as you bring this hurt to me. And in that time that we spend together while you're praying, I'm going to change you and I'm going to mold you. And you are not going to forget what happened. I want to be very clear. Forgiveness is not excusing what happened. Forgiveness is not trusting again. Forgiveness is not being back in that relationship. Forgiveness is about releasing yourself from the weight from what has happened to you. And for some people, it might be starting a journey of entering back into a relationship. But for some, it might be, I'm not going to let that person hurt me again. But I'm going to forgive because I know forgiveness is good for me, not necessarily for the other person. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be clean. It could still be messy and it probably still will be messy. I want to be very clear like when I say this. like If somebody is hurting you, I'm not at all saying allow that person to continue to hurting you as you forgive them. And can I also say, like, ladies, if you're in this room and, and you're in a relationship with a guy who's hitting you or harming you, like, get away as soon as possible and forgive from afar. And, like, if you're in a relationship where, where, where a guy is hitting you, like, call the church. The church will call me. I work with a lot of college athletes that are barely saved, and for 50 bucks, they'll do anything. <laughs> just so they can go buy some groceries. And I'm kind of kidding, but I'm also not. Don't stay in a situation, a partnership, a relationship, a marriage, where you are continuing to be physically harmed. But I want every one of us to consider the people that we need to forgive people that have done things to us in our past as we think about getting over and getting past our past. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive? And Jesus said 77. But I don't think he literally meant like 77. There's no magic thing about the number 77. But yet what Jesus said is, I want you to forgive completely. Or maybe in other words, I want you to forgive until dot, dot, dot. Forgive the way I have forgiven you. I have a great friend of mine from high school, and we were not believers in high school by any means. And we did a lot of things, and we were not walking with Jesus. We didn't even know Jesus at the time. Later on in college, I came to CSU, started following Jesus. He went to another school, started following Jesus. We kind of met up a little bit after college and caught up online and talked on the phone. And he was getting married. He's like, Reza, would you officiate our wedding? I was like, dude, I would love to officiate your wedding. That would be a blast. And so I went out one summer in Southern California and officiated his wedding. And I got a call from him about a year, a little over a year later. And uh, he said, Reza, we're having a really hard time. 
And I was like, what's going on, bud? And he told me, he said, you know, our marriage has been going really well. I feel like we're, we're doing good. And he's like, we're not perfect. We're walking pretty well through this. But last week, my wife went out with some friends with, from work after work and had some drinks. And one thing led to another. And she stepped outside the, the bounds of marriage. And he goes, I'm devastated about it. And I could hear the hurt. I said, man, like, and this was the week before Thanksgiving. I said, I'll be out there next week. My family and I are coming out for Thanksgiving. Let's just spend some time together. So I went out, I gave him a call. It was a Tuesday night. And we went out to Laguna Beach, kind of where we used to hang out. And there was this park up there. So we just went and sat there. And he's just crying. It's nighttime. And he's just sobbing. He's like, Reza, I'm embarrassed. He goes, I'm ashamed. Like, I can't believe she would do that. Like, my manhood is like, I'm just ashamed as a husband. And I'm just, I just don't feel good about this. And the thoughts that are keep going on through my head about what happened, he's like, it's just devastating. And I said, I know. And I don't know what to say. And so we, I just sat there quiet, just prayed as he was talking. And then he said, he said, but remember last year when we got married and you were fishing? I was like, yeah, I didn't forget that. And he said, when I was at the altar, I remember we were talking about what Paul said about marriage, that loves, husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And then he said, you know, when I think about Christ loving the church and when he went up Calvary and people were spitting at him and mocking him and throwing things at him and making fun of him and cheering, not because they were happy, but cheering because of what was happening to him. And yet he still went to the cross and he chose to go to the cross for us. And even when he was up on that cross and people were mocking and gambling for his clothes, and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said, if Jesus loved us like that, and I made a promise to love my wife like Christ loves the church, he said, I've got to love her and forgive her and walk through this with her. And through a lot of marriage counseling, they're back together, they're strong, they love Jesus, they're serving him together. And I learned a lot that day about what God can do in our hearts and the way that we approach this thing of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about allowing the person to continue to hurt us. Forgiveness is not about trusting that person again. Forgiveness is about releasing ourselves from the weight of that circumstance. You know, through my counseling, processing what I went through with, with what, what my friend did to me, one of the things that we did is I sat down and I had to write a letter to him. And he was never going to get it. I had no idea where he was. And my counselor was like, let's, let's just write a letter. So I did. So I started the letter and I said, I said, man, I said, you did some bad things to me. And I spent a lot of time thinking I was like at fault too. And, you know, I was complicit and just kind of all that stuff. But, but you were older than me and you knew better. And I want you to know I'm hurt by that. And I've been pretty angry at you. And I've been pretty angry about the situation. These are the different things that have happened to me since. But then I said, but, I, but I'm now a follower of Jesus. And I, there's a lot of things in my past I'm not proud of, but I know God's forgiven me of them. So I want you to know, I forgive you for what happened. And again, I wasn't never gonna send that to him, but I just wrote that down there. And then some time went by, and this was only actually about two years ago. Um, when I, the counseling session happened about eight years ago, but about two years ago, I was on Facebook and I'm looking through Facebook and he pops up there. And then I'm kind of curious. I'm like, well, what's he doing now? And what's going on? And so I go ahead and click on it. And I'm just seeing, turns out he's a follower of Jesus now too. Married, got some kids, running businesses, doing pretty well. And it seems like God's doing a work in his heart. 
And you know what I realized? I realized as I was, what I've went through when I was looking on that Facebook page, seeing that he's a follower of Jesus too. I realized that, that Jesus, and because of forgiveness, that someone who was sinful had been set free from bondage. And that person was me. That I was set free from bondage because of the unforgiveness that I just let go of and chose to forgive. Again, I'm never gonna be in relationship with him again. But something powerful happened in me that day. So let's do this. If you're able, would you please stand with us? And we're gonna end our time together in a pretty unique way. You know, friends, I know that mornings like this aren't those like great mornings. We walk out feeling great about who we are, but we can walk out feeling great about who Jesus is and what he has done. You know, we're the ones that caused the split in the relationship with God. He's the offended. We're the offenders. And yet he chose to go to the cross not even for his benefit, but for his glory to bring us back into relationship with him. So here's what I know. I know that for many of us, there's, there's names and circumstances and issues that are bubbling up right now. And the most beautiful thing about it is God already knows what's going on in your heart. He was there. He knows the people that have said things. He knows what that guy did. He knows what that girl said. He knows all that. But he wants us to go on a journey of learning what the depth of forgiveness is about so that we understand how we have been forgiven. So here's what I want to do. I can barely see anything in this room. It's dark and these lights are in my eyes. So this even isn't even about me seeing you. It's about you and God. And God already knows it. That's the thing. It's about you recognizing and admitting it. If there's, in a moment, I'm gonna ask anyone who has somebody that comes to mind that you know you need to start this journey of forgiveness with. You may or may not ever talk to that person. You may have to sit down and write yourself a letter of forgiving that person or just what, what Jesus said, if you forgive someone in your heart. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you, if that's you, if you know you need to release unforgiveness and to start this journey of forgiveness in your heart because of what somebody did, would you please raise a hand right now? Would you please do that? And recognize you're not alone, that we are all here recognizing there are situations that has happened to us where people have done and said things that are horrific, but that Jesus wants to heal us and to release us from that weight. You can put your hands down and let's pray. God, we are so thankful for this morning together. And we're thankful that your word leads us in powerful, powerful ways that challenges us and molds us into your image. So Lord, I pray for every individual who raised a hand. And I pray that this morning would be the beginning of a journey of releasing ourselves from the weight of circumstances that we may or may not have had any voice in but we're hurt by them. We don't minimize the hurt, but we ask you and we invite you in the midst of it. So Jesus, thank you that even as we're reminded as we pray in the Lord's prayer, that Lord, you would forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who have trespassed or sinned against us. We thank you that we can come to you freely and completely. It's in your name, amen. 
If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714, and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.